0: Our conversation on the morning show begins, however, with the topic of sustainable living and green innovations that can help all of us live our lives with a lighter uh, carbon footprint upon the earth. And uh, it's going to be a conversation that will touch on what we can do as individuals and also what larger organizations and institutions, places like colleges and companies, uh, decisions that they can make. Uh, to do their business or carry on their work in more sustainable, green, friendly fashion. i um, happy to have Carol Sabar back on The Morning Show. Carol, remind me of your title uh, at Hedberg Library at Carthage. Right. Uh,
1: changes often, but uh, Director of Library and Instructional Technology Services.
0: Very good. And with her is Mia Bennett, who is uh, Carol's green technology assistant in Hedberg. And uh, you may remember that not long ago, Carol and Mia were here to talk about a film series at Carthage called This is America. And before we're done today, we'll make mention of the final film in the series that will be screened at Carthage in early May. But mostly we're going to be talking about matters related to... Uh, living green and working green in more sustainable fashion. Carol Sabar and Mia Bennett, we welcome both of you uh, back to the morning show.
2: Thank you. Thanks, Greg.
0: Glad you can be here. We should mention that Mia Bennett is uh, about to complete her master's degree at Carthage uh, with a degree in business design and uh, innovation. Carol Sabar, tell us a a little bit about uh, how you first got the idea to... uh, create the position of green technology assistant and why you thought that was important to do.
1: Right. So I would say that some folks at, at Carthage have been thinking about sustainability for quite a while. Actually, I want to do a shout out to um, Bill Hoare at Carthage. And there was uh, an issue of the Carthaginian that came out that had the flame and green leaves on the front. It was really <laughs> kind of cool. Mia was also featured for separate reasons in that. Um, Carthaginian, but that talked about sustainability at Carthage and really focused on Bill Hoare's legacy in terms of a lot of the things that he's done with sustainability. But it became kind of obvious after a little while that there were things that we could do, but obviously we needed some help, just help getting things organized and maybe making contact or whatever. So in about the spring of 2013, I decided, well, let's hire a student assistant that could work on some of these things. And so we initiated the green technology assistant. And so shout out to um, a local woman, Amanda Felt-Smith, who graduated a number of years ago now, was my first um, green technology assistant. Kira Immordino was the second one, probably the most energetic and <laughs> vibrant of all of the ladies. They've all been ladies so far. She was from Trever originally. Shay King is now the marketing manager up at um, – Oh, I never remember the name of the place in Racine. And so, um, you know, graduated a few years ago. Rachel Treadway uh, probably worked for me for three years, and she's now on her way to Korea to teach English. So Mm. that's kind of cool. Nicole Blomquist and then Ellie Haviland is actually still working with um, Mia right now. One of the reasons why I hired Mia was Ellie, um, who was one of my green technology assistants, went and studied abroad in Italy in the fall. And so I knew that I wasn't going to have anybody else to to do that. So, But the rationale for it really was um, if we really wanted to do some things with recycling, for example, or... Um, disposing of our e-waste, electronic waste properly, or trying to figure out how we could consume less paper is always a big one, or consume less electricity, make sure that lights and projectors and things get turned off, that we needed somebody... To, to help us think about that and then help us actually do some of the you know sometimes we get to do really exciting things like package up toner cartridges to ship back to wherever
0: so. <laughs> yeah yeah but,
1: things that I wasn't I didn't really want to spend my time doing right.
0: so right. So, so by and large the, the, the focus of the green technology assistant has been in the sector of technology. It's not that you're using technology so much to investigate how can we do something completely different in in, in a green way. It's, it's really about using technology in an earth-sensitive fashion.
1: Correct. It's about, you know, making sure that technology isn't your enemy when it comes to, to sustainability. I mean, we all know that we have so many gizmos. I think there was a, a statistic at one point that, you know— annually we manufacture more than one cell phone for every person on the planet. I mean, I'm not sure that that's the exact stat, but you get the idea that, you know, there's this expectation that everybody needs the newest phone or everybody needs this or, you know, and and we are turning over technology on a somewhat reliable basis. You have to, right? I mean, you can't you can't live with a computer that's seven years old on your desk. It doesn't work. So what do you do to be more sustainable and to... You know, source it better, dispose of it better, all of those kinds of things. And so, yeah, we're talking about that. Um, the reason that we really focused on it was in Library and Information Services, which is the unit at Carthage that has the library and technology. There are things that we can all do unilaterally. We can make decisions about, you know, if I'm ordering products for my office kitchen. I can decide whether I'm buying paper plates or styrofoam plates mm-hmm. or bagasse plates, which are made out of a, um, a sugar cane byproduct waste kind of thing, highly compostable and highly sustainable and mm-hmm. really good for the environment. So I can make those decisions. Then there are things that we try to do that convince other people to do Mm -hmm. the right thing and to, to get. And that's much, much, much more difficult. As we've seen, the decisions we can make on our own are relatively simple. Put things in place that help other people be more sustainable.
0: So there is an educational piece to this as well that is important, uh, albeit difficult to to, to I think if you
1: you want to have a larger impact, you you have to be able to educate the other people that are out there.
0: Right, and not just preach to the choir, not just... Exactly,
1: uh, Um, and sometimes even the choir doesn't always know all of the things (laughs) that they can do, so it really is useful to connect with other people that have that same kind of of mindset. So the the Chris Grugels in the world that talk about things like going off the grid and how, I mean, when you're talking to a person who, Chris and I both have bought um, over time tankless water heaters. Hmm. And so, for example, not only do they help with water consumption and use less gas and so forth, they also save on my gas bill $50 a month by wow. not heating water that you're not using, right? Mm-hmm. So so somebody like, you know, Chris was like, oh, and when I first turn on the hot water, I, you know, fill the dog bowl and do all these different mm-hmm. things with the water that's coming out of the faucet while you're waiting for it to get hot. So if that sounds foreign to you as a mm-hmm. concept of worrying about the water that's coming out of the faucet, then... That's not the mindset you have. But if you talk with other people that have that mindset, and all of a sudden you start getting ideas and you start sort of cross-pollinating all the mm. different things that you can do. That's
0: important, and yeah. uh, and it makes uh, incredible, innovative ideas seem a little less strange and makes you realize right. they're absolutely doable and, yeah. and, and in many cases preferable to the common way that we do things. Mia Bennett, I know that one of the things that uh, is very important to you is speaking to your own generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think when we look at the, your, your generation, it's probably a complicated picture in terms yeah. of some people who fiercely care about these issues and live accordingly, and uh, and other young people, just like people my age and Carol's age, that, uh, that do or don't. Uh, it's a mixed picture with your own generation. What are your most sort of burning concerns about people right. your age?
2: Well... The fact of the matter is my generation loves to share, uh, retweet, and repost on Facebook and Instagram. Um, And you often hear about the issue of millennials not wanting to actually take action. Um, You know, to put an effort into changing their lifestyle, into recycling more, and to just changing their everyday behaviors in a way that helps the earth. Because, to be honest, a lot of people aren't coming from backgrounds, and we talked about this yesterday, where that's a habit, where they need to be considered considering, you know, their consumption and, and how much their electric bill might be in a month. Um, and I think the real difference between the generation before us who did a lot more of the walking, you know, and the walking and the talking than just, or than just the talking is that we – trust the institutions way more than your generation did at our age, you know, the man. Um, We see those institutions as kind of like a position of power and influence, and we want to infiltrate that and make changes at that level. Mm, but there's a disconnect from having these like sometimes lofty goals and taking action on the ground level. And so that's what we've been kind of trying to figure out. How can we get the students at Carthage to not only have these lofty goals and wanting to make changes in the higher-ups, but also changing their everyday life? Because it does seem a little hypocritical to say that you care about sustainability and the earth, um, but then you're taking 45-minute showers every day. And I think the fact of the matter is that the issue is at our Point of consumption, how much that we're consuming, and so we have to kind of get a call to action or a sense of urgency for the students on campus um, to make them understand that their rate of consumption is not, you know, on the right path for our society and for our planet. Mm
0: and of course it's the kind of it's that's the kind of news that nobody welcomes right. hearing <laughs> and yet it's it's uh, it's that uh, famous inconvenient truth that Al mm-hmm. Gore talked Absolutely. about in his groundbreaking documentary and something that all of us have to come to grips with in in one way or another so let's talk through some of the green initiatives that have been uh sort of put together at Carthage um uh, uh, within the auspices of what you do, Carol, and with your green technology assistants like uh, like Mia Bennett, what would be several examples uh, that you think have been especially interesting and effective?
1: So early on, we made a few um, policy changes, if you will, or practice changes. One was that we set up so that the computers on campus and the various computer labs automatically shut down at midnight 1 a.m, whatever, just in case nobody remembered to shut them down before they left. And then we used to have you know a student go around and turn on all the computers in the morning. We don't do that anymore. We figure that you know when somebody sits down, it might not be till noon. But someone sits down and turns on that computer. So why have had it running for, you know, four hours sitting there? So we, we don't do that anymore. We also set all of our printing um, and our public printers to be double-sided by default. So you have to work a little harder if you want to, you know. And we tried to indicate to faculty, for example, don't. Um, this is, you know, it's it's an uphill battle. But don't collect stuff on paper, collect it electronically. That's one. If you are going to collect it on paper, at least let the students print it out double-sided. Don't make them print it single-sided because that's, you know, twice as much paper. My favorite one um, that we did was we were kind of struggling with, what do we do with all these leftover toner cartridges? And so we found um, an institution, uh, a company out of Milwaukee Environmental Innovations. I think they've recently changed their name to Oasis, but, um, and they remanufacture cartridges um, at their place in Milwaukee, so it's you know like quadruple sustainable. It's good for a local business. Um, the carbon footprint is lower because you're not shipping cartridges from California or China or somewhere else. Mm. They're coming from a local place. They will deliver them, and they will also pick up all the empties, including the boxes that they were in, and things like that. So that there's really very little. I mean. Like Mia said, we kind of contacted them about how, you know, where could we get rid of things, and they'll pretty much recycle anything that isn't otherwise recyclable. Um, Amanda, my first um, green tech assistant, also identified an organization called Cartridges for Kids. It's from Waste Management, and (laughs) they will take back. um, Now it's a little bit more about electronic devices, Mm -hmm. older cell phones and tablets and laptops, if you don't know how to get rid of those. And um, also toner cartridges and ink cartridges. And then they give you a little pittance for them back. But the idea would be that maybe a local school would collect these so that, you know, and use it for a fundraiser for their school. So, school teachers, if you're out there, you might want to look at cartridges for kids and see if you could do some fundraising for your school. And it would also give the kids a chance to participate in sustainability because it is important to feel like you're doing something and a place for parents to say, I've got this computer, I don't know what to do with it, how to get rid of it. Electronics are really hard to get rid of if you don't have a place you can take them. So, mm.
0: And you had mentioned that this was really important to you that Carthage, as an institution, uh, dispose of obsolete electronics as properly as possible, although, as you just alluded to, Uh, sometimes the options for how to do that uh, are are pretty limited.
1: Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. E-waste is is a big thing. Um, That said, when we were talking about, you know, having your students turn in things electronically, I had, you know, one of the faculty point out, well, what about e-waste? And I said, yeah, but the kid's not buying a laptop just so they can Mm -hmm. turn in your paper. (laughs) They have the laptop already anyway, so please leverage that. But getting rid of e-waste is problematic. And so, um, Periodically, there are lots of vendors that would love to come in to, to various industries or schools or whatever and take care of your e-waste because they have ways to recycle it and make money out of it. But you want to make sure that the company really does deconstruct those and not ship them overseas or something. And so they end mm. up you know on a beach in India um, you know, leaching toxins into the ground or whatever, which is part of the concern with electronics.
0: Right. And so that's also the kind of thing that, for instance, a green technology assistant – is helping you Mm -hmm. with, is investigating those kind of matters?
1: Correct. Actually, uh, Mia did some work. We're really kind of excited about this for the institution with the folks from Focus on Energy, which, shout out to the people listening today, Google Focus on Energy Mm -hmm. consumer free products or whatever if you need LED light bulbs and you haven't asked for any in the last three years. Focus has a thing. You just go online, fill out your thing, and they'll send you a box of stuff. Um, but they also have a program for institutions where they'll have like engineers come in and we're going to be doing some replacements in our server center over the summer. And so kind of excited to you know get the engineer to come in and say so people would be familiar with the programs that a place like Focus has for your refrigerators. Right. Before mm-hmm. your refrigerator breaks, when it's an old, really energy hungry refrigerator, they want you to get rid of that refrigerator and buy a newer Energy Star you know, more efficient refrigerator that won't consume as much electricity. And so they may give you a $50 rebate for your old refrigerator, right, to turn it in. So they have bigger programs like that at institutional levels, where if you change out your air conditioner unit for your entire, you know, company or your entire building, then they will help with incentives to um investigate what the better replacement products are, but then also incentivize you to do that trade out before your conditioning dies right yeah.
0: it's is part of your role carol uh a, an advocate for these issues for instance to to other people at Carthage i mean for instance to whoever it is that buys refrigerators for the cafeteria or or other mm-hmm. other other parts of the campus that aren't obviously under the direct auspices of of the library, but but making decisions every day that impact on exactly the issues you're talking about. Is that part of your role or do you see your role in that way?
1: I think that's evolved a little bit, but I think that in the last couple of years, and Mia can talk about this, we've been doing better at connecting with other areas of the college as as we know that people We'll listen, um, again, back to Bill Horry. He and I have been talking about this for a long time, but as, as people change and, you know, different folks come in, so, um, yeah, we've been connecting more with other folks, trying to connect them with resources.
0: Right. Mia, what would be, have been the most important points of focus for the work that you've done as mm-hmm. Carol's Green Technology Assistant?
2: So far, I've just been working to find avenues of collaboration, like Carol said, with other organizations on campus, because I think change happens kind of a level above. The higher you go, the more influence you have, especially when it comes to changing students' behaviors. So I think that I mentioned there's a natural connection between uh, sustainability and social justice. So I've been trying to reach out to the avenues um, at Carthage relating to diversity, equity, and inclusion, Um, because there isn't a natural natural connection between those two efforts, but either way, those people definitely have a sense of urgency about something, and kind of combining the goals of trying to be a little bit more environmentalist um, and having a concern for the people, that can only put society down the right path, right? So, um, I think that right now, students have an issue with confusing their basic needs there's water food and shelter but there's also technology and money and convenience um, and if you have access to something, our students are going to consume it, you know what I mean? Um, so we have to create that sense of urgency, like I mentioned, which includes maybe making things more expensive or reducing students' access to these resources, which is why Carol mentioned you know, shutting down computers, more often maybe reducing that access, or we can just show that these students are being held accountable for those decisions, and Ellie and I both, we vote for the third option because we're both current students at Carthage, and we don't want things to get more expensive. Um, so we do have a solution for that in the works. I'm not going to speak too much on it because it, we're still trying to work on getting it going together. But Carthage is definitely continuing that, down that path of
0: growth. Yeah, Carol, I wanted to ask you about the uh, kind of the sobering reality that sometimes when green alternatives are are used, it sometimes means more money. Mm-hmm. That is sometimes the choice you make f- to to buy the these paper towels that are made from recycled uh, paper. I think especially. Several years ago, it's probably maybe less true now, but often that was an alternative that cost you more money than just your regular old bounty or whatever. And uh, are we sometimes talking about needing to make decisions that might financially be a little bit painful but have this other... Aspect to them that make them the more compelling choice?
1: I do think that's true. For example, you know, you may be tempted as you walk through the grocery store and you need, you know, paper plates or whatever to say, oh, well, the styrofoam ones are on sale this week or whatever. Those are actually cheaper today. Just pass by the styrofoam. Don't stop and buy the styrofoam. (laughs) And if you do buy the, like, the compostable bagasse ones that I mentioned earlier, yeah, they are more expensive. And sometimes, you know, green, um, cleaning products might be more expensive than you know just your average caustic whatever it is that said there are a lot of times i really want to emphasize there are a lot of times where being green is actually cheaper Hmm. and one of the things that we say a lot is you know the mantra is reduce reuse recycle and those words are in that order for a reason reduce is the brass ring of everything (laughs) so the less you use there's no way you can convince me that using less is ever going to cost you more, right? Okay, it just won't. So, <laughs> the on the reduce end, you will always save money by just you know, rather than worrying about you know compostable cups or whatever, just use use the you know a, a mug for your coffee or whatever, right, and right. don't use any kind of disposables as much as you can. So the reduce and then the reuse um, again is better than recycle. So, if you've got you know, whatever it is that you're using and you can wash it out and keep it a little bit longer or whatever, That's that would be better. On the, you know, on the um, cleaning end, for example, I got to thinking about it. I'm like, you know, as much as you might say, well, I should buy these products that are labeled green. I I don't think it's even just younger people. I mm-hmm. think it's people in, in our generation too, Greg, that we're not really good at knowing what things do maybe as well as their as our parents were right. so we might look for i always say you know we look for the excedrin migraine when mm-hmm. for our migraines when the regular excedrin has exactly the same yeah. the same ingredients it just because it says migraine that must be what it's for so if we don't know that we can clean out the bathtub with baking soda or vinegar, um, vinegar, (laughs) then we're going to buy something that says bathtub cleaner on it. And then we might pay more for green bathtub cleaner when we could just use the vinegar and the baking soda in the first place. And A, it'd be way cheaper. And B, it's like, you know, entirely biodegradable. There's nothing about vinegar or baking soda. They're bad for the environment. I mean, you can eat both of them. So, or, you know, brush your teeth with them or whatever. So, um, so there are a lot of things that really my feeling is that if you show me a frugal person, I will show you a person who has less negative impact on the environment. I mean, think about it. If you if you think, oh, yeah, I need to have this new cell phone, the cell phone is manufactured using raw materials that get consumed from the earth. They're manufactured probably in a place far away using probably caustic manufacturing Um, practices that aren't really good for the environment have industrial waste and all that kind of thing then they're shipped you know far far away in a whole crap ton of packaging and then you know then we have to get rid of the old cell phone and get rid of the packaging and then we have to buy the you know the I don't know the leopard skin case or whatever that it's (laughs) that it goes on and, and we just keep consuming and consuming i mean Mm -hmm. you know if you could make that cell phone last for four years instead of just two now you've cut your consumption in half and cut your waste in half and cut the manufacturing in half i mean if you're Mm -hmm. working for a cell phone company this doesn't sound great because it's also (laughs) you know it's part of the economy to to produce Mm -hmm. right i think we can find some other things for the economy to do (laughs) oh absolutely
0: yeah you're, you're talking about in a sense swimming against what is kind of the business model Mm -hmm. uh, that has become acceptable, although I think there is a lot more discussion about whether or not, in fact, this really is acceptable in the the best sense of the word. Uh, Are there a couple other things you want to share with us in terms of things that people can think about in their own individual lives?
1: Well, first of all, they should come out and they should look for our Facebook page, which is yeah. Carthage Green, so yeah. that they could like our Facebook page and, and see some of the things that yeah. that we put out there. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the, the couple of things, because they impact Carthage's budget directly, are power consumption, for example, so... Students at Carthage, when you leave your room to, Mm -hmm. you know, take a shower or do something else, turn off your lights or turn off your electronics. Don't leave your computers running all the time or whatever. So um, just think about the things that you consume. Sort of back, um, you know, I kind of credit the fact that I have parents that were born during the Great Depression and also lived (laughs) through World War II rationing. So the idea that you would, you know, paste on your dashboard of your car, is this trip really necessary Mm -hmm. Right, Those things, and I have to say, too, I think it might have been Rachel and I were talking about but Mia and I were talking about it again yesterday. She had said she had friends that – not Mia, but, but Rachel had said she had friends that actually threw away clothes, clothing. And I think I had to look at her and say, you mean like – in the trash, right. because I was so confused. Because I was like, "There's only a thousand things you could do mm-hmm. with your used clothing. I mean, donate them to you know Goodwill. Purple Heart will come and pick them up at your house. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's make a rags places out of places you them could or yeah make rags or- out of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't you clean things at home? You know, cut mm-hmm. down your paper towel consumption by using your used T-shirts yeah. or whatever." Um, Or, you know, when I was a kid, my mom and I used to sew quilts for church, you know. Hmm. And so you'd take all your old whatever. I still have a quilt that I made at home that's got, you know, a million of my grandma's old dresses Mm -hmm. in it. And it's just fun to look at, you know, this was grandma's dress and this was my old blouse and this was whatever. So, I mean, I... So we had kind of said yesterday, you know, people that are inclined to throw away clothes have a lot of education in front of them mm-hmm. to really get to the point where they have less of a carbon footprint. Right.
0: I was just hearing this about this yesterday. Someone had read an article about how uh, a huge yet largely unacknowledged source of what goes into landfills is discarded clothing. And it's just astounding. It to think freaks about. me out. Yeah. I, mean, I just don't know what else to say. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting too. As we're talking, it, it it makes me realize that there's actually, although there's really an urgent need for us to be thinking about this, but there's something kind of fun and something actually very exciting about thinking innovatively. Uh, beyond kind of the common way of, of, of doing things, and it also reminds me of a conversation I had many years ago with somebody at the University of Wisconsin Parkside that when they built uh, their home where they, where they are located in, in, in the 60s, it was built with environmental concerns at the forefront, and uh, whoever this person was i don 't remember even what, what our conversation was about, but uh, he, I think it was for the construction of the Rita. And uh, but they were talking about how one of the challenges when you build something with environmental concerns in mind is that then the process of making it even more environmentally sound is actually more challenging versus if you carelessly build a drafty old house. Well, then there's all these very obvious things you do to make it even more energy efficient. And actually, for a place like Parkside, and maybe to some extent Carthage too, and Gateway. Uh, when you build carefully in the first place, then it really takes creativity and innovation and kind of a relentless drive uh, to 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 gain improvement upon something that's pretty good to start with. I'd never stop to think about it, but it, it just kind of made me think about how energizing it is to to work on these on these issues wherever you happen to be on kind of the mm-hmm. arc of sustainability.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm a huge fan of the 80 20 rule, right? 20% of the effort will give you 80% of the results. And to get the remaining 20% of the results, you need to put in 80% mm. more effort. And so I think you're right. If you if you put in 20% of the thought to your daily life, you can probably get 80% more sustainable than you are right now. That last 20% takes, takes a lot of work. And I think really what me and I and, and Ellie and all the other green technology assistants that I've had have really been you know is really really trying to identify the low-hanging fruit what is some of the low-hanging fruit what is you know we've got the whole infrastructure in place for students to turn in their papers and their homework electronically there's not really any reason why we should be handing paper to anybody anywhere on campus. So that already exists. Let's just leverage that. That's easy. And people know how to do it. So that's – that, and the students like it better anyway, mm-hmm. turning things in. They don't have to stand in line at the printers. They don't have to worry if the printer's not working. They don't have – you know, all yeah. those kinds of things. Um, you know, the recycling containers are there. Just learn. One of the things we talk about is you need to understand what your local – Um, Waste place recycles and what they don't and how they recycle. So at Carthage, we have single stream um, recycling. So, yes, you can throw paper and plastic bottles and aluminum cans in the same receptacle. If you live in Kenosha, you probably know the blue bags are for anything that's not paper and the brown bags are, you know, paper and um, cardboard and things like that. One of the things that Bill Hoare would tell you is that one of the The biggest changes you can make is to try to keep cardboard out of the waste stream. Hmm. So cardboard recycles really nicely. Um, Find a way to recycle cardboard. You know, use reusing tote bags when you go grocery shopping Hmm. rather than using the plastic bags. I mean, Mia mentioned earlier that, you know, a lot of us haven't lived in a place. I had a person before an administrator who'll remain nameless that had said, well you know we're in the Midwest we don't really do sustainability and I was like, oh no, don't say that that's terrible. Uh-huh. Um, but obviously if you had if you've ever spent any time in a place like San Francisco you kind of go, oh my god there's yeah. you know I mean the hotel room had you know um, recycling containers and now I think every hotel room everywhere should have recycling containers. actually uh-huh. if I could get anybody to advocate for something, I'm not much of an activist in general I'm more of a do what I can do kind of person. But I would love to see, like, the city say that every single gas station needs Mm -hmm. to have recycling bins. Everybody gets out of their car to put gas in their car, and they start cleaning out their car. Mm -hmm. And there's no recycling containers at most of the gas stations in Kenosha. So you're like, I mean, I'll pack my plastic bottle back in the car so I can find a place to throw it away sustainably. And Quick Trip, for example, is a Wisconsin-owned company, so I'd like to see Quick Trip just decide Mm -hmm. that, you know, across the entire wherever they are, they'll put – recycling containers. But again, those are things I can't make happen. So the best that I can do is pack my plastic bottle back in the car and and take it home where I can throw it away in a good way.
0: But talking about it is a start. It is. And and, uh, somebody who is a little more of an activist at heart, Hearing if you're that, a
1: teacher out there, yeah. my theory is is that if we had enough school children write letters to the Kenosha <laughs> City Council or something, yeah. we could get them to, you know, have a city ordinance sweet. that said that all kinds of places if you have a publicly available waste container, mm-hmm. you need to have a publicly available recycling container and mm-hmm. take care of that. So Um, You know, get your third graders
0: to write Mm. letters or something. There you go. Well, you've given us a lot to think about in the last few minutes, and I really appreciate that. That's uh, why I was anxious to have both of you here. Before we let you go, Mia Bennett, I want you to say a quick word about the final film in this film series called This Is America, which is going to be coming up actually in early May.
2: Yeah, so I just wanted to tell a quick story that I heard, and it really resonated with me. I heard somewhere... Um, The idea that before the colonization and industrialization of the United States, a squirrel could be in a tree on the California coast and jump from tree to tree all the way to the Mississippi and not land on the ground. And I think that's quite an idea. And the fact that it had been like that for the entire, you know, however many millennia that the Native Americans were living in our, you know, in this place. And that's just something to give credit to. And the way that Native American culture, I mean, historically in our country has been discussed um, has been a little disappointing. So anytime that we have the opportunity to bring that to the forefront and get an authentic appreciation for you know, um, their experiences, we want to take advantage of that. So on May 9th, the Library and Information Services Department is going to be hosting a film screening of a film called Neither Wolf Nor Dog and that film is actually still running in theaters so it's not available for purchase on DVD so if you come to May, uh, to the film series on May 9th that's really your only opportunity to see it because the films are actually being shown on the West Coast, kind of out of our reach um, but it tells a story of a white author who travels to Lakota country and he gets a first-hand understanding of contemporary Native American culture through the eyes of a Lakota um, elder. And so we're really excited to be hosting that film series. So
0: neither wolf nor dog. Neither wolf nor dog. May 9th being screened at Carthage College uh, to finish out the film series called This is America. Mia Bennett is the green technology assistant, the current green technology assistant in Hedberg Library, uh, working for Carol Sabar. And I am so glad that both of you could be with us uh, for this portion of the morning show to talk about this really important and interesting topic. Thank you so much. Remind Carol listener, uh, Carol, our listeners again of the Facebook page they should right, seek out. Right, so if you
1: for. go out on Facebook and you just look for Carthage Green. Yes. yeah,
2: And also Instagram, Carthage Green as well on Instagram too. Mm-hmm. Very
0: good. Carthage Green, we'll remember that. Thank you so All much right. to both of you for being part of the morning show.
2: Thank you. Thank you.